everyone, and welcome to The Goods, a film podcast. Here in episode 121, I am Brian, and Dan's here with me after a bit of a journey. Right, Dan? Was it a bon voyage? That's right, yeah. So I think I alluded to it on the pod. I definitely talked about it in the Discord, but um, I don't do too much traveling, especially since I had kids. And so for me and my wife's 10th anniversary, we planned a big trip to Paris. We've been, you know, thinking about for years and years that it was going to be our 10 year anniversary trip. So we finally did it. Uh, we dropped the kids at the grandparents. We flew to Paris. Uh, we had an absolutely terrific time. We hit all of the places that you expect to hit if you're a tourist in Paris. But we also got some other fun stuff. I went to like six fancy vegan restaurants that all serve multi-course meals and ate way too much. Went to the catacombs, the underground skulls and shin bones, and it's like 150 feet underground. It's pretty cool. Wow. No foie gras? No. <laughs> There's probably a vegan variation of that, but I have I did not have any of that. Uh, we also went to the movie museum, which is centered around Melies, and then they also usually have apparently another exhibit going on. And so the other exhibit right now is spy movies. Um, but the Melies exhibit also has other birth of cinema stuff even beyond Melies. And so I spent a lot of time there. That was really cool. And I had saved all of my per diem, not actually per diem because, you know, we're grownups, we spend whatever money we want. But the money that I was planning to spend on gifts for myself, like souvenirs for that gift shop and it did have some cool stuff but almost all of the books and materials were in French and most other gift shops had like English versions and French versions but not this one so I, I ended up getting one book about Melies in French and then a couple of other magnets and stuff but I did not end up getting as much stuff as I expected there but I had a couple other cool finds I found uh, from a street vendor a stack of French movie poster prints for 10 euros and so uh, those are pretty cool and then yeah just lots of cool stuff and it was a terrific trip oh i forgot to mention another big part of it was i spent a day with gavin uh who has appeared on our pod he lives in paris that was very fun we reenacted the walk in before sunset which is one of my favorite movies and one of his least favorite movies <laughs> but that's just a 90 minute long walk through paris uh, that we we essentially recreated, although parts of it are physically impossible, which is part of the reason he hates it. He's a stickler for Parisian geography. But where this trip got weird was after I got back or actually the day we flew back, I started feeling sick. And then uh, a couple of days later, I was like, I should probably test for COVID before we go to a Easter party with a lot of family, including great grandparents. And sure enough, I tested positive for COVID. So I hope I didn't infect too many people. I know I affected Gavin's wife. So sorry, Gavin and Gavin's wife, because she also tested positive. Um, but I'm on the upswing at this point. But it was my second bout with COVID. Biggest, at least, souvenir I brought back from Paris was COVID. So there you go. Uh, meanwhile, over the weekend, it, we had Easter. And I picked up some hot tamale flavored peeps. So oh, my God. We're both of us living adventurous lives. <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. How do you do you like peeps? I, I, 
they're gross. I mean, but I you, love peeps. Okay. These hot cinnamon ones are weird. It's not a great combination. But I was going to say that sounds like an odd combo. I do like hot cinnamon and I know you do too, but mm-hmm. with marshmallow, I, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, it's odd, but I, I love peeps. I picked up also some peeps breakfast cereal this year. Mm. Does it taste like peeps at all? It did. It tasted like it, uh, but the pieces look like Fruit Loops. Okay. So I was hoping they would be like rabbit shaped, but they're just regular O's. But it does have that sweet marshmallow flavor and they were Technicolor. So, okay. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. But what is our, our focus today, Brian? Well, welcome back from Paris. And we have work to do. We've been on a kind of mini hiatus, if anybody was super obsessively following us in the Discord, which, if you're new and listening, you should join. Thegoodsfilmpodcast.com has a link to join. But we have, as always, a movie to talk about. Kind of. Because it's April now, Dan. It's the season of tomfoolery. (laughs) And we have brought for consideration... As we usually do in April, things which are debatably films. It's videos, visual media you can consume, uh, but that breaks from the stricture of the feature film form in some way. So what I want to talk about, Dan, is another web series on YouTube. Not too long ago for my birthday, we talked about Henry's Kitchen. This is even a little less structured than that. But it's from a YouTube channel called Megwin TV, and the series is called Hamburger Game. I think it comes to us from 2013. And what have you brought, Dan? Yeah, I'm I'm going to make us talk about Vine, the doomed social media platform that prefigured TikTok in some ways, and in some ways was just its own weird thing. And the the mechanism by which we will talk about Vine is a specific 14-minute compilation I sent you entitled Vines That Cure My Anxiety. But I'm going to be just talking about Vines in general and some of my favorites and what I think about them and the platform. R.I.P. Cool. So this is ostensibly, I don't know if we said it explicitly, you alluded to it, our April Fool's episode. And obviously we're recording and releasing this well after April Fool's, but... Just pretend that you're listening to this on April Fool's, everybody. Right. That's the philosophy we want to capture. So, Megwin is a Japanese guy. He's the host of this video, Hamburger Game. Now, I don't know too much about this channel. This is really the only thing I've watched, but I've watched it multiple times because it touched me. And... This go-round, I noticed that on the channel, they have multiple other similar series. I saw thumbnails for Sushi Game and Gyoza Game and Convenience Store Game. And so, I guess they've got other similar videos out there. And I don't know if they deliver quite the same experience as Hamburger Game. I didn't take the dive and check out those other things because I kind of don't want to lose the magic. But also, I don't think it could possibly be as good with food that they know what it is and how to pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. Because a bunch of the charm here is there. It's 
It's Japanese, starring Japanese dudes in L.A. talking about hamburgers. And it, to the extent that there's English, it's very, very broken English. And yes. you wouldn't get that. You wouldn't very get that. Very limited command of the English language. Right. So disclaimer up front, that's where a lot of this humor comes from. Yeah, I felt maybe just a little bit I, weird laughing about it because it's like they don't know how to say the word popular. And that is funny every single time they don't know how to say the word popular. But um, it it is funny for that reason. It's almost like watching the movie um, Lost in Translation, where it makes a big deal about how these Japanese people are so weird and different. And you could maybe see that as racist, but it's in a good spirit here. They're the ones doing it and they're laughing at themselves. Right. They're making the content and they're playing it up. Yeah. I think I discovered this video back in 2013, which was, as I've mentioned a few times before on our show, like a year that I just took a deep dive into subreddits. And so this is like when I was learning about the Rockefeller explosion, probably when I encountered Henry's Kitchen for the first time and stuff like Ghost Watch. Some other things I had going on that year, I wrote my first top 100 film blog series. I started my public access TV show, Count Gauntly. And I also reconnected with Dan that year because of all that stuff. So influential year. That's true. Was that on your top five years list? I can't remember. Hmm. You know, I don't know that it was, but it probably should be. But yeah, certainly a big year for stuff that we've watched and discussed here. Right. So this series, it's about an hour long total and it plays out, you know, A to B to C. So it's it's continuous. It's like a movie almost uh, because it adds up to like 50 ish minutes. And here is the crux. It's three Japanese friends, young men, and they're visiting L.A., and they announced that they are going to visit 10 hamburger restaurants all in the course of an afternoon and eat a hamburger at every one. The way they announced it at the start is they, they say the challenge is, let's try all the 10 hamburger chains. <laughs> okay, I'm glad that I'm not going to be the only one butchering some some poor English here. Butchering some butchered English, let's say. Yeah, I mean, they really lean into it. Yeah. And they have somebody to do the captions, so they at least know somebody who is fluent. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's all kind of part of the, the gimmick. But the structure is like a wacky Japanese game show. You know, it's got these, like, colorful caption graphics that pop up, and it's like keeping tallies of everything. And the way that they assign who's going to eat the burger at each stop is they have something called the tire roulette, which is they've covered the hubcap of one of the wheels of the car with colorful duct tape in, like, triangle sectors. Uh, there's a word for that. It's like a... Like a pie chart. Right. And each color on this spinner corresponds to one of the guys, and it matches the shirt that they're wearing. So Megwin, the host, has a green shirt. Uh, the guy who's got the camera most of the time, his name is Falcon, and he's got a pink shirt. 
And then the third guy is Bandy in a yellow shirt. And Bandy's got like a little mustache. So whichever section of the tire, whichever color is on the ground when they park at each restaurant, that's going to be who has to eat the burger. Go in and order the burger and eat the burger. And they kick it off at 12.30 p.m. And so they're driving around Los Angeles, 12.30. Their first stop is Jack in the Box. This might have been my favorite restaurant where they, the way they pronounced it. Jack in the Box! And they said it like three times and it made me laugh each time. (laughs) And they talk about how the burgers are cylindrical. I don't think i've ever eaten a jack-in-the-box no same but they park they get out and the tire roulette says falcon is gonna eat the first burger mr pink shirt who most of the time has got the camera and i think this is the third time i've watched this whole thing what struck me this time is that falcon is like shy and reluctant even before they eat anything He's just like, he seems comfortable behind the camera, not in front of it. (laughs) Yeah. But okay, he's going to go get the first burger. And they've got it set so they're like wearing wires. You know, they got, each one's got a lavalier microphone. And so they can walk into the restaurant and you can hear them place the order. So like the other two guys stay standing out by the car and the chosen individual goes in and places the order. And it's it's always funny because they debate before they go in how they're going to do it. You know, talking in Japanese uh, with snippets of English of what you got to say when you go up to the counter at a fast food restaurant in America. <laughs> and they say, they tell him, get the most popular combo. That's the phrase. Get, walk to the counter and say, most popular combo. <laughs> and... Falcon, I don't know. He is like less fluent than the other yeah. ones. And as we'll see, he gets called upon to do this multiple times. It's like he says, most popular hamburger. And the people at the counters are like, what are you saying right now? Popular hamburger. And it makes it is very funny. <laughs> and just the way there will be like a pause, like... Did they understand what I said or did they not? And then he'll say it again. I also like that whenever they go up to the the counter, we just hear it. We don't see it. I feel as if that adds to like the tension of it. Like what is actually (laughs) the, what is going on in this exchange? The mystery of what the person behind the counter is thinking, because they handle it with very various levels of tact throughout the, the series. Definitely. But okay, Falcon's got his jack-in-the-box burger. He's eating it. He says, oh, this is going to be easy. I could eat them all, jokingly. Then they're off to In-N-Out. So that's definitely a well-known California chain. They tell you if you go to California, you got to eat an In-N-Out. Have you hit up that one, Dan? I have, yeah. The double-double animal style. Yes, I've had that as well. It's been a while. But I'll be visiting L.A. pretty soon here, and maybe I will get it again. Oh, really? Cool. Yes. So they get to In-N-Out, and it's Falcon again. The wheel stops, it's pink again, and he's got to eat another burger immediately. 
I feel like that one could have been maybe called wild. It That one looked questionable to me, but it's early, so. Yeah, they, they have this fourth block. I guess it's the wild is what it's supposed to be. I don't know. Yeah. But it, they never end up using that that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Then third, they go to Wendy's. So, okay, Wendy's, that's got pretty good market saturation. They got Wendy's all over the place. Familiar with Wendy's. And it's Falcon again. The third time. Third time in a row. And so <laughs> Falcon does the dogeza, which is the deep Japanese bow where you press your forehead to the floor uh, and he surrenders basically he's he's dishonored he says you're gonna have to help me eat the burgers because i can't eat three in a row yeah a couple things going through my head at this point one is i i don't know i don't think i've ever talked about him on the pod may have mentioned him at some point but uh there's this guy i went to high school with i'll just say his first name for the sake of some anonymity uh his name is mike and he was just this guy where just things always happened to him and there are always funny stories to retell. And it's like half of my high school stories are things that happened to Mike, not that things that happened to me. Um, and uh, just always, always a lot of fun stories and quotes from Mike. But one of those stories is he was in an argument with his friend about how many oatmeal cream pies they could eat. And they made a hundred dollar bet that Mike could eat a whole box of oatmeal cream pies in one day. And <laughs> it helps to know the person, of course, like at, at any of these situations. But he, first of all, he goofed and he bought a box of the XL jumbo oatmeal cream pies. Have you ever seen like the double thick ones, Brian? Yeah. And then he got like th three into it and just like, his world started to end. He was like, I'm not going to make it, guys. It's not going to happen. And he got this look on his face that's like exactly matches Falcon in this video when he comes up for the third time. Actually, it's more around the second one time it comes up. He like takes a bite. He's like, "Ooh, I don't know about this. This is going to be a rough day here. Um, so I, I, I was laughing in the memory of of this similar thing happening in high school. He, he lost the hundred dollar bet, by the way. <laughs> Man, I'm almost tempted to try, but I'll bet it would end the same way. <laughs> um, another thing I was thinking of, like the kind of glee they get as Falcon gets more and more of these spun on him is um, there really was a time when Japanese game shows were like a, a popular, at least to my eyes, popular subgenre of video. And it kind of predates YouTube. It's like when it was a wild west of video streaming sites like i know there was the albino black sheep and a whole bunch of others but this is that's where i wa ended up watching a whole bunch of these and one of the ones that that i frequently saw posted was um you had to do ridiculous things in a library silent library yes it's great and and that one you you're supposed to be completely quiet when you're doing the ridiculous thing and there's a similar roulette type thing. And uh, I always my favorite part of that was not the thing that they had to do, but them trying to hold in their laughters and keep it quiet because they're supposed to be silent. And it, they obviously don't need to keep it quiet here, but there's the same like 
uh, reactionary laughing at, at Falcon getting subjected to burger after burger and his growing misery at the prospect of eating ground beef. And he, they keep ordering combos. Why, Brian? <laughs> Most popular combo. It's just, it's the phrase. You can't deviate from it. And so, yeah, Falcon's in the back of the car groaning, slowly going through this third burger. And they move on to Carl's Jr. So Carl's Jr. is an interesting case because on the east side of the country, it's called Hardee's. And on the west side of the country, it's called Carl's Jr. But it's the same restaurant. Back in the day, they used to be distinct entities. But then at one point, they underwent concept unification, similar to uh, Showbiz Pizza and Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, I just re-listened to that episode on the plane. Concept oh, really? unification, yeah. So, yeah, different names, but the menu is the same. It's uh, For all intents and purposes, except what the sign says, it's the same restaurant. And I think by now you can probably guess who it lands on <laughs> for number four, because it's Falcon again. And at this point, I was wondering if they had some kind of, like, brake mechanism that always made the wheel stop in the same place. Like, if it was just some feature of the car. But it's like, well, that doesn't really make sense, because the wheel's got to spin. So, at some point, it has to stop somewhere different. But I was curious. I was doubting if they had loaded dice on this car. Yeah. It could be they were manipulating it. I like to think they were being honest, but you never know. They could have been uh, staging it some. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, by this point, Falcon has surrendered, remember? So he's tapped out, yeah. He says, you gotta, you gotta help me, guys. And so Megwin eats this burger, basically. The one from Carl's Jr. Then it's on to Tommy's for number five, which I haven't even heard of. No, same. You know anything about Tommy's? No, I didn't know this one. There was a few here I didn't know. And it's Falcon. <laughs> for the fifth time and the guys start calling him Mr. Three to the Fifth which is presumably something that rolls off the tongue more in Japanese to give somebody that as a nickname but cause you know it's the chances one in three that it would be him and he's done it five times in a row so the stereotype is they think about math a lot you know <laughs> but Mr. Three to the Fifth and so they're they're like Mr. Three to the fifth, Mr. Three to the fifth, which is one in two hundred and forty-three, by the way. And if you were to do it out as a percent, it's point four percent that that would happen to Falcon. So Dan also likes to think about math. Well, I majored in it. That's true. Uh, but now uh, Bandy, the yellow shirt guy who up to now hasn't hasn't seen any action, he helps out and eats not only the Tommy's burger, but Falcon is kind of hiding away like half of the number three Wendy's burger still, and Bandy eats that. And this whole time, there's like a scoreboard going with icons of their faces over how far they are on like the burger chart Candyland game path. Number six. Number six, they go to Astro Burger, and Megwin gets it officially assigned somebody other than falcon here on the sixth out of ten it stopped on the megwin section of the wheel and like megwin is grousing already and it's like dude you've eaten half a hamburger yeah i 
I forget which one it is. It, it might be Bandy, but they like they have half a burger. They're like, I'm already full. And I was I, I was sympathizing with them. I mean, I guess on the one hand, like, don't subject yourself to a eating challenge if you're not prepared to, like, push your limits. I also really hate eating challenges. Like, it make me queasy to watch. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I wouldn't want to force myself to eat more than I want to either. But you're right. It's like you got to you haven't even been officially selected once. You got to have some respect for Mr. Three to the fifth. Right. Yeah, I, on the other hand, not so much anymore, but back in my high school and college days, I was one for eating challenges. Uh, one of my proudest accomplishments, as I'm sure has come up on the show, is doing the doing and winning the Chipotle Mile back in senior year of college. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Uh, so, Megwin's got the Astro Burger. He eats it. He's already grumbling. Then they go to number seven which is a place called Fat Burger. And I've never seen or been to a Fat Burger. I would be curious to check it out. And this one has my favorite pre-ordering conversation between the friends because they're kind of joking around. They say, see if they have most Fat Burger. <laughs> Do you have most Fat Burger? <laughs> And this is where I'll say several of the turns of phrase in this video have made their way into my day-to-day -day lexicon. And most fat burger is one of them. I talk about with my friends getting or eating most fat burger. That's pretty funny. There's, there's a couple others uh, from this video. Uh, one is apparently the Japanese word for delicious is umai. And... I think when Megwin gets his first burger, he's eating it. And he says, Umai, Umai Tyson. And so like, I don't know, delicious Mike Tyson. He makes <laughs> up this weird portmanteau and Bandy or somebody says, what? Are you always this unfunny? And so, yeah, sometimes if something is delicious, I will think about Umai Tyson. It's like the equivalent of a chef's kiss. It gets the Umai Tyson. Mm hmm. But lo and behold, they do have most fat burger, Dan. <laughs> he goes into fat burger and they have this chart on the wall of small, medium, large, all the way up to triple extra large. And if you eat the triple extra large burger, you get your picture on the wall, but you got to eat it there at the restaurant. And he doesn't do that. He buys it and he walks out. <laughs> And then they all have to work together to eat most fat burger. This was the funniest part of it for me was, first of all, the the most fat burger discussion. And then he orders it and then their exasperation when they open it. And it's just this monstrous, just behemoth, like America, fuck yeah, burger, just <laughs> grease and cheese everywhere. And they're all looking at it in like bewilderment, like we have to eat this thing. <laughs> And then they start figuring out how to divvy it up and they start arguing. One of them's like, well, I'll just eat the vegetables and you eat the patties. Like, That's not a fair distribution at all. And then they like start trying to disassemble it with their hands and it's like disintegrating and going everywhere. This was a lot of this was just me kind of laughing a little bit. But this one, I was cracking up at, at this part. 
I think Bandy is the most heroic figure in this. Bandy never complains. <laughs> Bandy came ready to play. And frequently, he's the one finishing up if they leave something behind. I feel like he eats the most of most fat burger, but I, my respect for him has only grown. Okay, that was seven. Biggest burger of all. Then they go to number eight, Burger King. Another one with pretty big market presence. And we're back to Falcon. At this point, they've reached like the bargaining stage of grief <laughs> because they're like trying to figure out how they can get away with eating a little less and still have it count. So gone is most popular combo. They're thinking most popular hamburger. And they... Like, they had that conversation about fat burger, most fat burger, and now, like, each stop, they're trying to make some joke about, oh, what could you ask for here? And, well, now they want something smaller. So at Burger King, maybe you could ask for Burger Queen. Do you have <laughs> Burger Queen? They don't have Burger Queen. No, that's, that's not a thing, unfortunately. It was a good idea, though. Um, yeah, they should have They should have thought about uh, maybe a Whopper Jr., I think that's what they want, but they are making do with the vocabulary at their disposal. The Whopper, yeah. And so, yeah, I think a Whopper is what they get. It's Falcon. They're kind of all helping each other out at this point. Next, it's on to number nine. We're getting close. They go to five guys. Five guys. Do you have uh, six guys? I liked how they were debating. They said that this is probably the most guyish burger joint, which I thought was a pretty funny turn of phrase. The most <laughs> guyish burger. And that is Bandy. Eats at Five Guys. Officially selected by the wheel for the first time. And at Five Guys, they've got like a bunch of free toppings that you can choose from. And so he gets all the toppings. He comes out with a big sloppy burger. Looked pretty good. I like yeah. Five Guys. Yeah, Five Guys is great. And he says, this is, to me, a Six Guys burger, when he gets all the <laughs> toppings. <laughs> and then, where else to end but with number 10 at McDonald's? Macadodonald! <laughs> I should have prepped and, it for all 10. <laughs> we get one final time, Falcon again. He got picked 7 out of 10 times. And... He's done. He he doesn't want to eat anymore. And so he is like trying to bargain down extremely. <laughs> and so they have this conversation that I don't know if they even come to a consensus, but Falcon's like, okay, what I'm going to get is a burger with no meat and no bun. <laughs> which, which that is not a burger at that point, which becomes like, readily apparent. <laughs> so they send him off at this time we don't hear what he orders yet he goes off he comes back and he's got what he's got one burger container that just has a bun in it and then he's got another container that has like a whole hamburger yeah and they're like what what happened and but they they manage through by this point it's like 7 30 or 8 o'clock at night so a whole afternoon into the evening has gone by as they've been driving around to 10 different hamburger chains and 
that's my favorite thing about this is that it's three friends spending a day together. It's like an arbitrary quest that passes the time. You know, it's a California afternoon. You just posted on your blog site, Dan, a review of La La Land. So it's kind of impossible to tell what season it is in California, but I get summer feelings from this. Really feels like a summer afternoon, although uh, the video was uploaded in November, so maybe it was November, but it's it just makes me think of summer. Yeah, it's a summer vacation vibe, for sure. This is the kind of dumb stuff you can do when you're a teenager in America on summer vacation. Right. And I just like documentaries that it's like somebody doing an arbitrary thing and, and chronicling it. You know, I don't like that so much when it's a narrative film. I expect a little more to be happening. But I can get behind it sometimes in a documentary film. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's like a contrast to the Dan film. But yeah. No, I uh, I thought the great sense of camaraderie was the best part of the series as well. It's like you really feel like you could just hang out with these guys. And if you were hung around them for a day, you would laugh the whole time, you know? <laughs> That's right. And the very final bit of part five of this series is they play the wireless microphone recording from Falcon's Last Order at McDonald's when he's ordering a sandwich with no meat and no bun and just baffling the cashier. Yeah, although I could tell she she was rolling with the punches pretty well. She was like, okay, so you want to sat like she was doing a good job at redirecting him towards like what he actually wanted. Uh, but I, I mean, to be fair to her, if you say you want a burger with no meat or no bun, like I don't know what I put on a plate or in a box to give to you at that point. Like, is it just the cheese and the vegetables? Like, how do we quote unquote grill or fry these? Right. I, I don't know. Right. So. Ketchup and onions. Who knows? Very bizarre. But this has another bit of clever wording that something that just has stuck in my mind ever since where falcon makes this request that doesn't make any sense and then pauses to see if like she understands <laughs> and then he says do you do you can't <laughs> like what's what's the issue what's the hold up <laughs> do you can't <laughs> oh that's pretty good yeah and that's the hamburger game from 2013 just a quest unfolding on video three young japanese dudes trying to learn english as they try all 10 hamburger chains you know i wonder what will would have to say about this my brother who lives in japan it should send it to him i'd be curious so i guess what we typically do on these brian is uh we wrap up yours. Now we'll do, is it good? So is it good is our signature section where we each give the movie a rating on our eight point goodness scale, ranging from very not good, a one out of eight to our masterpiece rating toward a good an eight out of eight. So I will answer is hamburger game by Megwin good. And I'm going to give this a five out of eight. I'm going to say it is good. It made me laugh pretty consistently throughout um, I do get a little squeamish at overeating challenges that that was points against it. I was leaning towards a four, but the last few from the fat burger, most fat burger on 
pretty much all made me laugh in some way. And so that bumped it up. So I'm, I'm going to give this a five, a good. Um, it didn't quite uh, register as something really special for me, but I had a good time watching it, Brian. Great. I think that's a very solid rating. I'm going to go just a little higher. I'm going to give it a six out of eight. I love eating challenges. Uh, Man vs. Food was a great show. I was sad the day that Adam Richman found Thinspiration. And then he did like a season where he was coaching other people to do eating challenges. And that was just, that was terrible. That didn't hold up. Uh, but more than that, I mean, I love the comedy. Just the the strange wordings they come up with for things. The format where they go in blind and place the orders and you just hear the audio. And it just it feels touching in a way I can't quite put into words that they've shared this ordeal together. It's almost like going off to battle and then coming back. They've faced this experience together that like the people on the home front aren't going to fully appreciate. Uh, just that something like this, you can capture it on camera and it's a narrative unfolding that kind of, it, it just originates out of very mundane events, but has the steps of like escalating conflict and climax and resolution all in 50 minutes. I recommend it. Check out Megwin TV. Very cool. And so Dan, this vine selection yeah, so I, I selected the social media platform Vine as my not quite a film as rendered in a compilation. And the title of that compilation is Vines That Cure My Anxiety. There's a bunch of similar ones. Um, if you get any general Vine compilation, you'll get like a 60% overlap with any other vine compilation and they come in in different lengths there's also some specialized ones but I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute here so what is vine um i don't know if this was ever on your radar brian but it was a social media platform that launched in 2013 it, um it actually was bought by twitter before it had actually had a public release so it was always owned by twitter while people were using it it's basically a minimal precursor to tiktok so what users could do is they could have their own profiles, kind of like a, an Instagram profile or something, and they would upload videos. But here was the real kicker. Six second limitation on the videos. I believe for the entirety of Vine's duration, there was a six second limit. And when you hit play on it, like when you pulled one up, it looped that six seconds over and over and over again. And then you could kind of scroll to the next one. And so in some ways, it's like a precursor to TikTok. TikTok is the same idea. You have a, a short video that you watch and you can scroll through a users or you can like look at a general algorithm. The big difference is TikTok, you have a 60 second limit, a one minute limit. In Vine, you had six seconds. That's an order of magnitude less. There's not much you can do in six seconds. And so this is like a huge limitation, which basically forced jokes and gags and, and lines to be completely immediate and surface level with no buildup, no room for like branding or commercialization or sponsored content or anything like that. It's just the gag, just the thing. And um, it had an early version of uh, like on TikTok 
You don't use TikTok, do you, Brian? No, not super familiar with TikTok. And the vines I've seen have all been in compilations like this. So I have seen some of these before. Uh, some were new to me. Gotcha. One thing Vine had was a like a homepage. And one of uh, TikTok's special sauce is their FYP, it gets called, the For You page, which is an algorithmic selection of videos to show you. And it's like a blend of users that you've subscribed to, but also creators who are similar to what you've subscribed to. And also every now and then, every now and then they'll throw in something fresh, something a little bit different to see if you want to like branch out your material at all. So like very catered to keep you wanting to go to the next one because it's always giving you something fresh. And Vine kind of had an early version of that. It was October 2016. So three years after Vine launched, uh, barely three years later, it was like three and a half years later, that they ceased allowing uploads, essentially stopping it. And then now it's in like an archive mode where if you have a link to one, you can get there. But there's not like a homepage or anything like that. And people have like archived and downloaded the entirety of every Vine ever uploaded. So they're never going to be lost to time. I mean, unless there's like some sort of catastrophic data loss in the Internet sphere. But like they are preserved. They're not at risk of being lost. But Vine as as it was as an actual platform is no more. And uh, unlike TikTok, which goes like all over the place, it has political stuff. It has, you know, people talking about books, people talking about whatever that is on their mind. Um, TikTok's specialty was comedy because you can't really do much except make a single dumb joke in six seconds. And it kind of cultivated a specific brand of comedy. So if you've ever heard the phrase, do it for the vine, that's kind of like the nature of this, where it's, you're going to do something ridiculous in six seconds and particularly doing something wild just to get it caught on video so that you can upload it as a vine. There's a, a kind of similar format that I've seen called YouTube Haiku. I think there's a dedicated subreddit for it, and I've seen them post at different places. But a, a YouTube Haiku is basically the same idea, but it's just on YouTube. It's a very short video that part of the appeal of this, with whether it's a vine or a YouTube Haiku, is that you can watch it over and again. You can watch it in loop and the nuances of the delivery and the sheer repetition of it, like Sideshow Bob stepping on a rake, kind of makes it seem funnier and, and better than it is. So Brian, I encourage you to watch this compilation multiple times. It's not the same as watching something on loop, like an individual one on loop, but maybe seeing them multiple times, you start to like get a flavor, start to get a feel for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen some YouTube haiku, and I'm sure some of those probably originated as vines also. Like, I I think they go went back and forth. Yeah, I'd seen that uh, one of the kid running with the knife before. What do you got there? A knife! No! no! That's a great one. Me and my wife quote that one all the time. This is very specific toddler energy to it. So my discovery of Vine, um, I, I watched it a little bit when it first launched. And if you were online, uh, you would occasionally get linked to, to funny ones of those. Um, but I never actually got the app and followed it. And I, I really regret that. I wish that I had been a little bit more aware of it because I feel like its overall sense of humor and like short attention span 
would have clicked with me pretty well when I was 25 years old. But in late 2016, so this was basically when Vine was shutting down, um, I started to follow the the McElroy brothers who are online comedians best known for My Brother, My Brother and Me and The Adventure Zone, two podcasts. And the youngest of those brothers, Griffin, uh, he was a strong advocate of Vine and a frequent uploader of Vine. And he was very sad when it went down. And he basically, I, I don't know whether it was like his recommendation and his enthusiasm that made me seek it out or whether the YouTube algorithm just pushed it my way and I was open to it. But I started finding these Vine compilations. And in the, you know, now we're talking five, seven years since, I have watched a whole bunch of different ones, uh, maybe 40, I don't know, like a bunch of general ones, a bunch of specific user ones, some on certain themes and stuff. And uh, so I feel like retroactively, I've gotten a pretty good sense of the flavor of Vine. But just like you, Brian, I don't have quite the same watch it on loop scroll to the next one feeling that it must have had in its moment, like the thrill of a discovery of like a little of a new funny video, you know, cause they're already pre-curated for me, but probably also good because there's always, whenever you have a, something like this, there's going to be junk out there, you know? And I will say that uh, part of the problem with Vine watching these compilations is there's a lot of material that I would call cringe like people trying really hard to be funny. And this is even the stuff that's like already been pre-curated. It's like high schoolers and young college kids trying to do funny, outrageous things. And I get a lot of secondhand embarrassment out of some <laughs> of them. Brian, I don't know if you got any of that. Yeah, well, some just didn't stick out to me as much. Like, didn't make me laugh. Yeah. Um, Some definitely did. Yeah. So... Why do I still watch them? Why do I still care about them a decade later? A decade after the platform opened and, you know, more than five years after it shut down. Well, part of it is just like a, the thing that got away. You know, it's like missing the thing that wasn't there and, and wishing that you could have been a part of it. But I, I like how short they are. It's just whenever you watch one of these it's always just going to be a couple seconds till the next one. So even if you're not laughing, if you don't care about this one, like short attention span brain, you're going to be something new to trigger those. What are those called? Like dopamine, the the hormones in your brain. You're going to get a new dopamine hit a couple seconds later. So not much risk in just keeping watching here. Right. Even if it's junk, it'll be over in a couple seconds. Yeah. I also find the energy as a result of its limitation and like the the subsequent creativity and the the way that people were able to milk a lot of comedic value with such a low time limit just very infectious it's there's just a lot of energy to them and they're goofy and it cuts a joke down to its minimal essence sometimes beyond its minimal essence so that it like borders on the absurd it also just makes me feel youthful. Like, oh, I remember when I was young and I did stuff like this. And I was never this funny as some of these people, but like I would have fun. It's actually like not all that different from the feeling of watching the your video, Brian, uh, the, the hamburger game. What is it called? Yeah, that's what I called it. Hamburger game. I think that's what the first video is called. Yeah. Just this sense of when 
you were spending a lot of time with friends and there was inside jokes and just lots of laughs and lots of goofs and stuff. So I still get some of that. I talked about secondhand embarrassment, definitely some of that, but also secondhand camaraderie and sense of belonging and, and being young and youthful and, and excited and optimistic. It's a pretty optimistic platform. There's not a lot of cynicism here, just people doing funny things and, and, and making jokes. So, yeah. So you might be wondering six seconds. You can't do, what can you do in six seconds? Well, here are the basic genres of vines uh, in approximately ascending order of how much I enjoy them. So one you sometimes see is probably older siblings, maybe parents filming little kids doing and saying really inappropriate things. And I always find this kind of content depressing. It's like, oh, your four-year-old said the F word. That's not really funny to me. That just shows like something maybe off in their parenting or like their family life or something like that. Or I don't know. I, I just don't find kids doing inappropriate things funny. Although if they're doing age appropriate funny things, that speaks to me more like the kid running around with the knife. So that's age appropriate then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like there's one and it's like a little girl cursing at her doll. Bitch, she's dead. It's like, I don't find that funny. What about throwing cheese on your children? Are you on board for that? Well, that's the parent doing it. So I I mean, I've some of those do make me laugh. Yeah, sometimes if it's absurd enough. Yeah. There's also a lot of like, again, high schoolers acting out ridiculous scenarios. And some of those are funny and some of them are not. You'll also see, and I think this is the biggest overlap with the YouTube haiku, people taking very short snippets of TV shows or movies or something. Sometimes they remix it. Sometimes they just have the short and absurd clip pasted in there. Those are those are usually pretty fun. And then when you start to get really good is when you have people actually constructing six second skits or six second jokes. It's like just enough time for one setup and one punchline before you get out there. And sometimes it doesn't always make sense, but sometimes it does. And, and even still, if it's like actual comedians making funny things, that that's reliably good. But my favorite type of vine is when you just get weird energy, just weird blasts of energy. Sometimes it's like constructed, like there's one of a chicken wearing a fake red dress in slow mo zooming in on the moon with a Lana Del Rey song in the background. That just always makes me smile. But then you just get it's like moments, six seconds of moments where something really weird happened something funny happened and usually accentuated by someone giving a really bizarre or funny delivery of some line. I'm definitely going to talk about a couple of these here, Brian, because really the main reason that I brought it here is I just want to relive like a dozen or a couple dozen of my favorite vines ever, the, the most iconic ones. So any overarching vine thoughts or thoughts on this compilation before I dive into some of the specific ones? Well, I don't know that this is really a different genre or it's just a summary of what some of these accomplish. But another type of video that I've heard described, I think it might also have a subreddit. It's either perfectly timed cuts or perfectly cut screams or something. And it's when like something happens and there's some reaction or exclamation just as the video ends. Great point. That's a major part of the art is when do you cut off? Yeah, there were some perfect 
parts of these that definitely had that energy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I won't say my favorite yet, but I, I, both of my favorites, that was a huge part of it, was the moment that it cuts off. There's one that's, for me, exemplary in that regard, where it's I think it's a mom, maybe an older sister, and she puts some canola oil on the floor and calls in the kid. Yep. Yep. And the kid comes running in and smashes into the oven and shatters the glass. And just when you'd expect it to start screaming, it, it ends that clip and goes to the yeah, next one. Yeah, that was one of my top two. Is Oh, it was? Okay, yeah. Yeah, a, a second of the oil on the floor. Hey, come in here! And then it's chopped up and it's like one frame where they're sliding on the oil and then you hear the sound and the next frame is just glass everywhere. And then it ends. Yeah. All right, so here it is. Some of my favorite vines, some of my most quoted vines. Some of these you still see referenced in the wild. Brian, you and I were talking off pod about plate of shrimp effect on a couple of these vines. I don't know if you organically stumbled upon them, but you sent me one or two memes uh, referencing these vines. And I saw a few of them referenced just in the past week since I assigned this to you as something to watch, Brian. But did you have any of that sensation? A little bit. And, you know, I'm sure some of it is the algorithms. Yeah, that's probably true. Like the computer already knew we were looking at this stuff. And, oh, if you looked at that, you want to look at this. But I did. I saw like some Instagram memes that were using some of the phrases from these vines. One I love is from the music video of Nickelback, where they say, look at this photograph. But he they've put a picture of like a generic bar chart over where the photograph is and it it's like digitally edited to say look at this graph and then it like zooms in on the singer just holding up the graph and i quote this one with all, all the time with katie like when i'm holding up something to show her sometimes i'll just say look at this graph and my impression of this vine another candidate for the the one that i quote the most often is this one I actually saw on YouTube in the days before Vine, so it can't Vine can't claim the the origin of this one, but Vine is definitely where I've seen it referenced most often, and uh, it's this British guy doing a vlog, and off screen someone, presumably a friend or roommate or something, smacks him in the face, and the British guy says, "Ah, oh, I can't believe you've done this," and uh, I always say, "I can't believe you've done this." That's that's a good one. <laughs> That's a really good one. When someone does something ridiculous. A video that I like that wasn't in this grouping and is maybe a little longer than a vine, but it's a guy playing a video game and his friend says, Hey, Keith, you're on a roll. And the guy says, Oh, am I? And he looks and he's sitting on like a hamburger roll. He pulls it out and he takes a bite of it. And then he starts laughing so hard he starts crying. (laughs) I think I've seen that. Maybe that one might have been on infectious laughter. Have you ever seen that? He found that it one? so funny. Yeah, yeah, is the best part. Yeah. You're on a roll. Another good one. A guy's walking down the stairs and someone else in the house is walking by. The guy who's filming at the top of the stairs says, ah, really loud. And the guy at the bottom has a plate. He like st- stumbles back and he says, stop. I could have dropped my croissant. And just the way that he says he could have dropped his croissant is very funny. I had a lot of croissants in Paris, by the way. One that's a clip from a TV show is 
a guy saying, hey, watch your profanity. I'm sure you've seen that reference before, Brian. Well, if not before, I've seen it now. It was in the, the grouping. Yeah, there you go. Another one, a middle-aged couple, maybe grandparent-aged, filming, I think it's deer. It's some animal outside, and the the husband sneezes, and the wife says, nice, Ron, because the animals run off. And he says, oh, I sneezed. I'm not allowed to sneeze. But I just like, <laughs> nice, Ron. <laughs> Another one, the guy is uh, puffing some smoke. I don't know what smoke it is, some sort of vape, maybe. And he breathes out like this very neat. He's like doing an artistic gathering of the smoke. And someone off screen who's holding the camera blows really hard and the smoke goes away. And the guy who had been blowing it looks up at, at the camera and he says, Adam. And I just like the way he said, like, if I'm exasperated at someone, Adam. <laughs> uh, one that I would put in, like, the skit punchline level, but it's basically parodying these the genre, is a guy is holding a box of life cereal. He pours it out, and out comes a bunch of lemons instead of cereal. And then it cuts to him holding one of the lemons, and he says, well, when life gives you lemons... And then it you hear a jingle in the background. Da, 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 da. And sometimes I'll just randomly catch my wife's eye and say, well, when life gives you lemons, it's definitely I put this one in bold because this is probably the one that I quote the most often. So, Brian, do you know the YouTube creator Bill Wirtz? Yeah, he did the whole history of Japan, right? And the whole history of the world. Yeah, yeah. So he was also a Viner. And his thing is he like adds musical uh, accompaniment to what he says. And uh, he he would do these little phrases that he would like have a musical background to. And the one my favorite of his, he's done a few, but he says, oh, hi, thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. And he has like this music in the background. But sometimes if I screw something up, I'll think I'm still a piece of garbage in that musical tone. <laughs> that reminds me, though, speaking of Vine stars, Vine personalities, my friend Ben, I went to his wedding back in 2016, and he walks in elevated circles. And one of the guests of honor at the wedding was a guy named Cody Co, who was a huge Vine star. Then Vine went away, but he still has a massive social media presence. He's got like 2 million Instagram followers and he's on all the various platforms. Apparently a pretty famous dude. I exchanged a couple words with him. So there you go. Was he in any of the Vines on this compilation? Do you know? I kind of have like face blindness. I... There's this series of commercials where it's people talking on the phone and the joke, I think, is supposed to be that the person on the other end of the phone is also them. And I can, like, never tell because they're not wearing the same clothes. But I think that's the joke because the slogan is, we treat you like you'd treat you. Mm. Which is to say, I'm not sure. <laughs> I got to study some more. Gotcha. There's this one creator who I've never figured out her name. I think I could figure it out because one of the compilations has really detailed logging of the name of all the users. But it's it's this uh, woman who appears to be in her 20s. And 
and she she has like I've seen three of her vines and every single one has made me laugh hard. This one is she's holding up a camera filming herself at what appears to be like a Bible camp. And she says, welcome to Bible study. We're all children of Jesus. And then it cuts to other people at the camp snorting cocaine. And then she says, Kumbaya, my Lord. And just the way that she delivers, it always makes me laugh really hard. Yeah, some of these, they happen so fast, I like couldn't even register what happened. And yeah. that was one that flew over my head. That's why you got to watch it multiple times. You got to waste your whole day away watching the same six second <laughs> things on over and over again. So there's a, a meme that has lived on. It is Wednesday, my dudes. I think originated on Vine. At least this guy was the first time I saw it, even before it became a meme that you still see referenced. But it's a guy who looks sort of frog shaped in his head. He's a weird looking guy. And he puts on these goggles and he says, it is Wednesday, my dudes. Ah! So I don't know if he got that from the meme or the meme came from him, but I still think of him. I read it in his voice whenever I see it is Wednesday, my dudes, frog. Yeah, that's my feeling too. a couple of the lines in here. It's like, oh, that's where this came from. Like I yeah. heard the wording before, but never seen the video another one was um where the the girl throws like an empty can of soda down a high school hallway and she goes yeet yeah i i don't know if that's the origin of yeet but that would be well it's there were a few more words it's like this bitch is empty yeet something Uh like that yeah and she throws it out that's a very much doing it for the vine one where she just throws it into this crowd of people yeah but no you're right she she says that too Another one, this guy's a candidate for my favorite Viner. Uh, I think he was on the either Parks and Rec or Brooklyn Nine-Nine writing staff. Uh, this comedian named Gabriel, I don't know how you say it. I think it's Gundacker, G-U-N-D-A-C-K-E-R. I've, I, he does other social media funny stuff. Um, but he, he has some really funny like short skit type ones. And the, my favorite is... Uh, he. It's to the tune of an electric slide. With any of these, the absurdity is part of it. It's like all of the weird thoughts that went into it. But it's the tune of the electric slide. And he says, you are my dad. You're my dad. Boogie, woogie, woogie. And it's just got pictures of his dad that that he shows as he plays that tune. But he, he has a bunch of funny ones. And he also has a pretty good YouTube channel. But my favorite thing that he ever made is... Zendaya is Michi. Have you ever seen Zendaya is Michi? No. It's this guy singing along with uh, posters from, I don't even know what movie it is, but they're like character posters from one of the the movies. Do you remember there was like a year where there was like two or three Yeti themed animated movies from B-List Animation Studios? Yes. Anyways, uh, this guy is walking down the street singing along the names of the characters on these posters for one of those videos and the first one is zendaya is michi and he sings them and it's it's very funny and lebron james is guanji danny devito is gorgle or something like that it's very funny so i gotta send you zendaya is michi yeah i don't think that one was in the one that we watched no because that one's a whole minute long it's not a vine that's a youtube thing of his oh Okay, well, it sounds pretty worthwhile. Yeah. I believe that was probably the year of Smallfoot and Missing Link. This one is Smallfoot. Yeah. Okay. To bring somewhat recent cinematic releases into the conversation. 
another iconic one. This guy's sitting on the stairs and he's, I guess, just filming people walking on the street. And this woman walks by and she says, and they were roommates. And then he turns the camera to himself and he says, and they were roommates or, oh, my God, they were roommates or something like that. But and they were roommates is is among the ones you will see referenced most most often. I saw a Letterboxd review the past couple of weeks that said, I don't even know what remember what movie it was, but the content of the review is. This is the movie that the woman in the vine who said they were roommates was talking about or something like that. Yeah, I've heard that one in the context of actually they were gay, like Bert and Ernie, and they were roommates. So I, I think it's probably playing on that, but I don't know. One I've sent you before, Brian, that is also a candidate for my favorite individual six second vine is... It's these appear to be three or four kids playing uh, frolf, uh, frisbee golf, and one of them throws it really a terrible throw and it like goes off to the side and over the road. And one of the people next to him says, what the fuck, Richard? And then someone else says, what the fuck? And it's just a summation of your friend doing something idiot. What the fuck, Richard? I, I really like that. I. It's the best because his name is Richard. You know, it's like it's a great name just to shout angrily. <laughs> One that I I always laugh at. I even sent to you, Brian, and you sent me a reference to is uh, like the camera's on in the middle of a classroom. And it's I'm guessing it's a substitute teacher. I don't know if it's actually a substitute teacher, but just you get the sense that it's a chaotic classroom. And the camera turns on and the guy says who's filming says, what did you say? And this this one teacher turns around and looks at him and says with a full serious face, I said, whoever threw that paper, your mom's a hoe. And the way he says it is so good. Yeah, the meme that I sent to Dan yesterday was a Mario Kart clip. And it said, whoever threw that banana, your mom's a hoe. That's pretty good. One that I referenced on the Discord before is this guy is a skateboarder clearly playing up a stereotype and he's holding a cell phone and he says, so no head. And then he slams the phone down and jumps and breaks his uh, skateboard. And the phrase, so no head is very adaptable. You can, I think he's referring to oral sex in this context, but there's definitely uh, other places that you can use. So no head. I used it in a decapitation joke on the, the discord. Yeah. If you're talking about Anne Boleyn. Yeah. The same woman who did the, uh, the church camp cocaine one she's filming herself in broadway and she keeps filming herself looking at stuff and saying merry christmas except she can't quite say merry christmas right and each time she says it a little bit differently and the last one is she says merry chrysler and just this idea that she couldn't say merry christmas correctly her tongue keeps getting caught is very funny to me merry chrysler you mentioned the one with the toddler running with a knife Peak toddler energy. I like the way that one is shot, too. Like, the kid is just booking it through the yard, and the camera, like, notices him, follows him for a little while, and they have this exchange. And yeah, the mom says, what do you have? He says, a knife! And the mom says, no! And another adult says, why does he have a knife? It's like a lot of action for six seconds. In the category of teenagers being ridiculous at high school, but... 
sometimes make me cringe, sometimes make me laugh, sometimes make me both. This is a definitely makes me both one. This is this skinny, probably a freshman in high school, holding some sort of stick and somebody else is near him and he's like holding it in like a ninja pose. And he says, ah, don't fuck with me. I have the power of God and anime on my side. And his delivery of it is very good. Another iconic one that I saw referenced in the past week, a guy walks up to like a fast food, someone working at the counter and he films her. And it's a black woman, just a normal looking black woman. And the guy holding the camera says, does anyone ever tell you you look like Beyonce? And she says, nah, they usually tell me I look like Shalissa. And the guy holding the camera says, who's Shalissa? And she says, me. And she's starting to go on and it cuts off. But just the, nah, they tell me I usually, they usually tell me I look like Shalissa. It's just a good summation of like being yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. A, a phrase I've seen referenced outside of Vine, fuck your chicken strips, is also the category of high schoolers doing ridiculous and cringy things, but still makes me laugh. Because what did they actually do in that one? They're sitting in a car, and the guy says, how are your chicken, chicken strips? And the guy in the front seat like dramatically cocks his head backwards and says, fuck your chicken strips. And then he leans out the window and says, fuck your chicken strips. He's just being weird but managed to capture an energy that worked well in six seconds i'm getting near the end of my list but this is fun for me reliving them in in narration form here so thank you for indulging me brian and listeners it's all good i'm saving up my key one because it's not on your list yeah i want to hear what your favorites are um it's this guy uh holding a guitar and he does a horrible guitar strum just like a very bland chord and he says i love you bitch and he strums it again i ain't never gonna stop loving you bitch and he's like playing it for a girl who we don't get to see her to see if she's impressed or ambivalent or whatever about this undercooked ballad that this guy is singing for her (laughs) i was familiar with this one ahead of time okay you'd seen that one sometimes the infectious laughter is what makes it there's one of a woman filming herself looking at a Del Taco sign, which I assume is like a Taco Bell knockoff type thing. She says, get to Del Taco, where they have a new thing called free Shivakadu. And it's fresh avocado, but the letters are kind of have poor kerning. So it looks like they are in uh, different arrangements of words, free Shivakadu. But then she laughs really hard at her own pronunciation of fresh avocado. So... I like this one because I had seen a remix uh, because probably all around this same time when Fifty Shades of Grey came out and it had that song, love me like you do, la la love me like you do, but it was free shavaka do, free shavaka do. I got to see that. That's funny. This is also the YouTube poop era, which I was never a big part of, but this is where you make YouTube videos that just remix little clips over and over and over again in different and creative ways i did get very into youtube poops okay so you might have seen some of these from there maybe next april fools we'll watch the cutscenes from legend of zelda wand of gamelon um another one that i think predates vine but i've still seen in many of these compilations is it's uh like a panning shot they're at a farm and you see what are very clearly ducks quacking And then you see a toddler girl's face and she says, 
look at all those chickens. And I think this is my wife's favorite. She references this one a lot. Whenever we see ducks, she'll say, look at all those chickens. So another candidate for one that I reference most often is you see, we actually don't see the guy. You just see the screen and it says, does it says, does anyone else do this? And then it cuts to the guy and he's leaning back in his chair. He says, I do that. And Haha, ha, I do that is is uh, a universally applicable thing, like explaining why you laughed at something. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I really liked that one. Yeah, haha, ha, I do that. Yeah. Last one from the compilation I wanted to shout out a guy driving down the road and he passes a roadwork sign. He says roadwork ahead. Yeah, I sure hope it does. Which to me is like epitome intentionally making a bad joke type humor. Always makes me smile. It's like a dad joke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you hit a lot of good ones. I mean, I definitely enjoyed quite a few of those. Uh, But my absolute favorite, well, one that greased the floor and shattered the oven. The timing of that is great. Uh, But my, my full top favorite one is it's in like an empty Krispy Kreme restaurant. And this guy comes, they're not even quite cartwheels, because it's like end over end, it's like front flips. Yeah, like, like a handspring. A handstand, yeah, handspring, that's it. Um, like a gymnast level Olympics, spring, 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 through this mostly empty Krispy Kreme. And then the legs come up and they kick this... Krispy Kreme sign that's dangling from the ceiling on a chain and it just goes flying just as the video cuts off. Yeah. Excellent ending timing on that one. That was my fave. That was pretty fun. That's a funny one for sure. So this, I think, had the highest hit ratio of my favorite ones. A few essential ones that didn't make it into this 14 minute compilation. A guy says, send my compliments to the chef. And then it shows the waiter going back and he says, Hey, chef, you got beautiful eyes. And the chef smiles. I always like send my compliments to the chef. You got beautiful eyes. And then one that wasn't here, Brian, that I, but I, for some reason makes me think of you is it shows a guy thinking thoughtfully and you hear his thoughts. He's narrating. He says, dear diary, today I couldn't find my diary. So I'm writing today's entry on my Kung Fu Panda 2 DVDs. And it pans and he's writing Sharpie on he has two Kung Fu Panda 2 DVDs and you see him writing exactly what he's just been thinking across like the plastic of the DVD cases. It's very <laughs> funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the multiple copies of the DVD. That's always funny to me. The more copies you have of a movie, uh, <laughs> maybe my uh, it's tough. One of my very favorite YouTube videos is this one that doesn't have nearly enough views. I'm always surprised how low the view count is, but it's called, like, My VHS Collection. And it's a guy saying, okay, today I'm going to show you my VHS collection. And he pulls out a Jurassic Park VHS. He says, Jurassic Park. And he puts it off to the side. He grabs another tape. And it's another copy of Jurassic Park. He says, Jurassic Park. Puts it on the pile. And he keeps grabbing copies of Jurassic Park and he's like oh yeah I like this one Jurassic Park he puts it down and there's like several variations of the VHS box but it's all Jurassic Park and he goes through like 300 copies of it (laughs) it takes like 20 minutes 
as he's going, you can hear that on a TV in the background, he is watching Jurassic Park. And then finally, at the end of the video, the camera, because he's just holding one up in front of the camera at a time and then setting it aside. And then at the end of the video, the camera pans over and you see just this mountain of Jurassic Park VHSs. I I love that part. It's like a performance art piece. It's Brian. We did uh, on your show one time, we did the 12 days of Christmas, but we did different things. And instead of like, obviously, we didn't have a pear tree, but you rewrote it for your show. And then we actually had a copy of each of the things that we needed and we pulled them all out and it was mass chaos. Right. So the way that it worked, it was cumulative, which some interpretations of the song say it's cumulative, uh, by which I mean, okay, the song says on the first day of Christmas, you got a partridge in a pear tree. But the second, you got two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. So is that doves in addition to the tree you got yesterday? Or did your boy toy come with another tree on the second day? Right. So now you got two trees. Right. So in that accounting, it's one plus one plus two plus one plus two plus three until you get to a total of like 364 things. Right. And the the peak, I think, is... Six and seven, I think you get 42 of each or something like that. Yep. But we, we did that and it had the same effect of like the sheer accumulation of things. Right. And one of the things was VHS tapes. So. Oh, OK. Gotcha. But the two that I think had the most crossover coverage that you saw referenced was uh, a guy is like filming an arrest and he says, hey, officer. Yeah. What are those? And he points to the officer's really blocky and ugly shoes. And the officer just kind of walks away, rolling his eyes. But what are those is referenced all the time. And in fact, there's some there's at least one what are those parody in the compilation I sent you, Brian. The yeah, the the only other vine that had crossover appeal beyond what are those, as in you could see it referenced on CNN or on a network show potentially is damn Daniel which is just this compilation of this guy saying, damn, Daniel, and at it again with the white vans, because it was always like admiring his style. And damn, Daniel, at it again with the white vans. So both damn, Daniel, and what are those have to do with shoes? What shoes are they wearing? Exactly, yeah. But that's fine. Just I love revisiting these stupid six-second things that make me laugh every time somehow. Sometimes they make me laugh more on revisit, so... There we go. Uh, other Vine thoughts, Brian? Not too much. I mean, I'm glad that TikTok, kind of the spirit, is keeping it alive. It's not as structured. Maybe there is room in the market for a Vine restoration. Something that really holds you to a specific format. Yeah, it's kind of an ongoing joke in the post-Vine community that what's the new Vine? And there have been like six variations of things trying to be the new vine not even including tiktok and it's almost like a comedy of errors if you read it on the wikipedia page for vine of like attempts to revive vine it's had like seven different names and stuff at one point there was going to be another vine just called vine but i think a lot of people miss the super micro format of jokes and how you could consume a hundred of them in 10 minutes you know is that right 100 times six 600 seconds yeah Yes. So, Brian, I guess I will bring it to you. Uh, Is it good? So is Vine good 
you couldn't rate Vine as a whole, or you can rate this specific 14-minute compilation, but is Vine good? Is it a positive contribution to civilization? Exactly, yeah. Maybe as a whole, I would probably give it a five. I think it's worthwhile. I like the energy that came from the platform. Uh, this group specifically, I'd probably give it a high four. There's definitely quite a few that I was laughing at. Um, a few that just like transcended that were excellent, great, hilarious. And usually it was, for me, the ones that it was like the the cut was was sublime. Uh-huh. Uh, kicking the sign, crashing into the oven. Um, and then it was interesting as like an anthropological experience to find where some of the wording, like the linguistic memes I had come to know, where they originated. You know, presumably, maybe some, they even predate these. I would like to know more about the meme etymology. But I feel like I've filled some gaps. That's good, yeah. So I'm going to say that Vine and by extension, this compilation are very good. That's a six. I do think you have some limitations on how much you can get out of six seconds. But man, what they're able to do with six seconds is great. And just the energy and the creativity and the variation and the way things reference each other sometimes, but also like just have their own little absurdity to it and how it has that, that, that kind of energy of uh, that optimism to it that I was describing. I still feel that when I watch fine compilations, it is, it also can be like overstimulating and cringy, but I, I get a big kick out of vine. I like vines. And uh, you're going to get bonus points in my book if you reference Vine. Uh, so come come one, come all to the Discord and uh, reference Vines. Send me your favorites. What is the monetary conversion rate for a point? I, d- I don't know. <laughs> what is this in Stanley Nichols? Just, uh, I don't know. It's a good question. Is there the goods currency, a crypto that we need to do? <laughs> good coin? Good coin, yeah. Something like that. Uh well, Brian, I guess that wraps our third April Fool's Day episode. You feeling foolish? Quite foolish. I'm just talking about vines for better part of an hour. Good. Good. Well, we hope that's how you feel too, listeners, that you've just been made the fool of. We'll be back on a more normal trek next time, next week, something that is a film. And we've got it right coming up soon in the pipeline. Uh, now that Dan's back from France, we're going to be talking about Steven Spielberg's Abraham Lincoln biopic, just called Lincoln, from 2012. And we'll talk a little bit about why that's a timely choice and my connection to the film. And I'm looking forward to it. Cool. I've never seen this one, so I'm looking forward to it. It'll actually be our first uh, Spielberg movie, so something new. Yeah, we kind of referenced some of them in Thanksgiving, but we did not directly talk about them, so... You're right. This will be our uh, our Spielberg debut. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, Brian. Have a good one. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. 